Welcome to Rogue Bogues. This is episode 52 of the basketball series. Good to have you all join us. Pro, what's news? Bogues, what's going on? Hey, I definitely want to do something anti-media. I want to say that I made a mistake a couple of weeks ago on our pod talking about Jalen Brunson's contract. I, I stated that, and I know this isn't done in the media, where, like when you actually make a fucking mistake, like say that I made a mistake. Um, I said that he's under the Gilbert Arenas provision, which basically means that like if you're a restricted, uh, restricted free agent second round pick, your team can only pay you a certain amount of money uh, to resign you. Right? Like Gilbert Arenas did it. Obviously, that's why they named it after him. Carlos Boozer did it where like before the provision was put in where he signed a mega contract coming out of the second round. So they put it together where the te- the original team, if you're restricted, can't sign you. Uh, they can't pay you whatever you want you know, if, unless you're unrestricted free agent. Jalen Brunson's in his fourth year, so he's an unrestricted free agent. So Dallas could pay him whatever they want to pay him. Now, I know, you know, like I said, I made a mistake. I, I saw that during the week. I was like, you know what? I fucked up. Let me just talk about it on the pod real quick. And we're going to make a mistake. We both are going to make mistakes. We talk for two hours a week. So for everyone out there, we're happy to admit our mistakes. Um, and we're going to make mistakes in the future. That's just the reality of a two-hour podcast. Um, so come at us if you want, but we'll always we'll always cite when we're wrong. So, you know, much like my NBL picks, I had Sydney at number one at the end of the season. That's not looking too good. <laughs> so... <laughs> so but uh, we we're talking about it off air. But we got to, you know, the way things are going these days, bro. We 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 could potentially get cancelled for that, you know, making a mistake like that. So we have to be really careful these days and make sure that we didn't hurt any Mavericks fans' feelings or maybe someone in the front office and they write a, a mean letter to our podcast platforms and try to get us taken off air, bro. So appreciate well, that. Stanley apology. Johnson. Stanley Johnson said that if they don't take us off the air, his pod, he's taken his pod off the air. So. Oh, we just gave him so, some love though last week. We gave him some love. Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> same thing with Joe Rogan. He's he's for if we don't go off air, he's going off air. And Miles Pl- uh, Mason Plumley said the same thing. Yeah, Mason, Mason Plumley's going to take his um, Substack. He's going to he's going to take his his uh, <laughs> essays of stubs, Substack. But um, we're, I'm going to go through all our 52 episodes and just make sure there's nothing too controversial. We'll edit a few of your swear words out. We just don't want to get cancelled. So we we got to be really careful and tread carefully. And we love everybody sure. and. Everyone loves each other in the world. We're, 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 you know, we're all for that. So just, just putting that out there early. But enough of that. Tweet of the, uh, sorry, um, team of the weeks. Get right into that. I'm, I'm interested to hear who you have, but I'll, I'll go first. I've got honorable mentions this week. The Golden State, oh, wow. Golden State Warriors. There was a lot this week. This is a, a pretty hot week for a few teams, actually. Golden State Warriors, obviously. Phoenix Suns, Cleveland Cavs, uh, playing pretty well. Had a nice surge. And the Boston Celtics pro. We're going to give them a little bit of love. We usually smack on them, mm-hmm. but that's-, that's No, they're how, playing real well. Yeah, seven and three well. in their last 10. So they made, made a little jump. But for me, I have to give it to the Toronto Raptors. Um, five straight as of now. So, you know, haven't lost this week. They're seven and three in their last 10. With some good scalps pro, they've 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 had a they've beat the Hawks twice. They've beat the Miami Heat twice and the Chicago Bulls for their five straight. So definitely not cupcakes. I mean, the, the Heat are a tough team, injuries or not. The Hawks have been hot the last probably two weeks and the Bulls are solid even with the injuries they've had. Um, this was a team that we didn't really know the direction. They lost a lot of their big-name stars. They, they they had the issues with Siakam at one point. We didn't know which direction they were going to go. 
they've overachieved. They're, they're a testament to overachieving this season. It's been fantastic to watch. Van Vliet, um, all-star and all, 21-7 and seven at night. Siakam, 21-9. and nine. Um, and then beyond that, they're just very, very balanced. Very balanced team. Anobi's, Anobi and Trent both averaging 18 a game. And then you've got Scotty Barnes rounding it out in his rookie year at 15 a game. So you've got five guys averaging very good scoring numbers. Um, like I said, bigger overachievers, the one thing you got to be careful with them is he plays his starters big minutes. They There was that overtime game a couple of nights ago where they, they were all in the, the mid-40s, high-40s. Um, their, their starters are going to play 40s. That's just the reality of it. I don't think he has that whole his staff member that's telling him, you know, this guy's gone over his minute limit. I think he tells him to fuck oh, off for no. the most point. Yeah. I think the sports science stuff, he, I'm sure he listens to it because you have to these days. But for the most part, he's rolling with what's going to win him a game. And it, it's it's different to what we see these days with, with minute limits. I mean, to be honest with all our listeners, most teams have minute limits for guys, whether they're hurt or not. It's just the reality of it. And you can argue that's a good thing. It's a bad thing. Some people think, look, if you're a, if you're a championship team, I like Golden State. Um, you know, looking at Brooklyn, they're not doing so well. But like a team like that, you want to try and be peaking towards the end of the season so you get the methods of the madness. Whereas a, a team that's probably not supposed to be playoff bound or that good might go all in early. So there's, there's a good balance there. But the Tor- Toronto Raptors for me, pro, I'm not sure what you think about them this season. They're my team of the week. Yeah, I think they're tough. I mean, they're tough at home for sure. Look, Nick Nurse is a hell of a coach and he gets those guys going. They don't really have any true superstars on their team. They have like a bunch of just tough playing players that just go hard. You know, you know, obviously Van Fleet and Siakam we know about. We you went through the whole list of players that, that do well, but he always has his teams prepared. They always scrap, they always play hard. Nah, they're a good team. They're definitely good. Um, you know what? Like, since you, you know, out of homage to that seventh uh seventh seed, I'm gonna take the seventh seed in the West and give them team of the week. I'm going to go with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, okay. They are playing their asses off, folks. Okay. Three and this, I like it. Three and, o, three and o this week. Um, blew out Utah. Blew out, blew out Utah, beat Denver by 15, and then just like everybody else, beat the Detroit Pistons. But, I mean, they are playing hot as hell. They were left for dead a few weeks ago. They're in seventh. You know, obviously, Anthony Edwards is a future star of the league for a long time. Towns, obviously, you know, fresh off an all-star, you know, all-star, you know, on nod. You know, obviously, Russell's going to give you 18. I'm not a huge Russell guy, but he's giving you 18 and 7. They're playing hard. They're playing together. I remember that. I remember uh, Gerson Rosas got a lot of shit for hiring their head coach. And that, that guy's doing a hell of a fucking job. I got to give. I got to tap my hat. Look, you can give it to the Phoenix Suns. You can give it to Golden State. I mean, that's easy, right? Nine and one out of the last 10. But these guys are really, no one really expected much out of these guys all year. And they've been playing their fucking asses off. And my hat's off to them. I think they're pretty good. Yeah, they've been they've been fun to watch. We, we, we kind of had them. I had them below because I just wanted to see it from them. They, they, they continue to – I think I just had them out of the playoffs. I think I had the Spurs taking them the 10th spot or playing in, and that was because I needed to see it. They needed to sell me on something, and I think they're – yeah, they're trending in the right direction. I have a really good um, useful, useless – not really a stat, but it's Minnesota-related, so you'll like that one a little bit later. Um, but, yeah, the Minnesota Timberwolves, they're, they're exciting. They've got, they've got talent. They've got talent. They've got some, some younger kind of veteran types that are fitting in to be role players as well. Um, next to Towns and Edwards. So 
you know, and they have a little bit of room to go out and get someone else in the off season. They're, they're going to be, you know, a tough team in the future. And, and and we like to see, you know, teams that are at the bottom for so long to start to surge up. And, you know, that's what we're, we're praying happens in Sacramento, as we said last week. So hopefully they can, you know, because arguably Sacramento and Minnesota were at the bottom at the same kind of time. Garnett retired. The Kings went in their transition from that those lineups they had, um, you know, with with Bibby and all that, and they kind of plummeted at the same time. And Minnesota have bounced back slowly, a little bit better than than Sacramento. But uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, team of the week, piss week, that is uh, Brooklyn Nets for me, pro. Um, you know, look, they they have have run into a bit of a buzzsaw schedule wise. So we'll go through that. But they're two and eight in their last ten. They've lost seven straight. Um, there were a few poor losses in there. Look, they're. Is a mix. They just lost to Utah. They lost to the Sacramento Kings. That's inexcusable. Phoenix Suns, okay. Coin flip. Um, Warriors, Nuggets, Lakers, and Wolves. Um, KD is the obvious out. I mean, you lose 30 points, seven, 30 points, seven boards, six assists a night. That's going to hurt. Um, but as you've mentioned, you're a championship team. You have to adjust to missing. I don't care if you're missing two, of, two or three out of, two, two out of three of your stars. You got to adjust and you got to at least get more than two out of the last 10, right? Um, you have to adjust and steal a few wins here and there. Um, I think one player that's a little bit affected by this, Patty Mills with the in and out of, of Kyrie. Patty started the season off fantastically, really etched out a nice role for himself and ended up moving to the starting lineup, was on fire early. Um, he's kind of plummeted a little bit and I think that has to do with Kyrie's, you know, playing on the road and then he's not and then the injuries and then KD's out and I think Patty's trying to find his role with when to turn it on, when to turn it off. I mean, he's going to be a gunner for the most part on that team, but I think that's affected his play a little bit. Um, but like I said, all good championship teams need to win, you know, on that stretch, a championship team, even with KD out and Harden out for a portion, might go, you got to at least go four and six, maybe five and five if you're that championship team you're boasting about, pro. I've, I've, I totally agree that they're the same team. Um, I chose them the same. I think I agree. 100% with the fact that you got to step up when people are out. And that's that goes for like, now Cam Thomas had 30 the other night, but like Cam Thomas, if he wants to say that he's one of the best rookies in the league, he's got to step up every night. And, and especially when guys go down, like if I'm somebody coming off the bench, if I'm a Bruce Brown, if I'm, you know, uh, Benbury, if I'm Cam Thomas, if I'm one of these players like that are the next guy up, and I have to step up. Like, I want to earn my worth. I want to earn a huge contract in the offseason. I'm going to step up. And if, if Kyrie goes down, look, we all know the Kyrie thing, the vac stuff. Like, you can play here, can't play here. Durant's out. You know, they got hot in there. But, like, someone else has to step up. You got James Harden, who's going to have four guys on him. It's not going to be that difficult for you to get shots up when you're playing with James Harden. A, one of the best passers in the league when he actually wants to pass and be like, you know, with all the defenses that are catered to double him and get the ball out of his hands, you have ample opportunity to really earn your worth because you're getting evaluated by 29 other teams every night and you want to earn your worth in the league. You want to earn your worth in free agency. I mean, you should be chomping at the bit to play for Brooklyn right now because look, Durant's out for a few more weeks or whatever. And Kyrie's not going to play every night. You you have then you have an opportunity to score eighteen a night, twenty a night, you know. It's uh it's interesting, but it, they've they got to step up, man. I've never seen a team this good 
in such a shit show situation. Oh, it's crazy. Um, as far as aspiration wise. Yeah, we'll talk about it later with the trade stuff, but it's crazy, man. Yeah, no, nah, it's all over the place. And, and look, at, looking at their roster, I think Blake Griffin's morphed into their intangibles guy. I think they're missing probably one more. Bruce Brown's a pretty good intangibles guy where he'll do the little things. But like, who's the grunt on that roster? You know, you have you have Grunt when you look at okay, you look at um, James Harden and Kevin Durant and Kyrie for getting you a bucket, Patty Mills even at times for getting you a bucket. But who's one of those guys on that on that roster that's going to dive on a loose ball? That's going to give up some of his stats and say, you know what, like I've got three stars next to me, I'm just going to go lay people out and set some good screens and get some offensive rebounds. I just don't know if they really have anyone who's willing to do that on a nightly basis, and it shows they kind of. Because they have those three stars, it kind of just seems like it will keep the game close and just keep getting rid of those guys and they'll carry us. Whereas they probably need someone else to just bring some intangibles to that lineup where just I think they get caught in that flow of like, yeah, we're just going to win because we're talented. You know what I'm saying? And I think they, they're they probably missing one piece. Stephen Adams type, you know, someone someone big, strong. I mean, Claxton's um, been okay for him. Um, but someone that just will give up his body, will give up his stats to just go out there and, and, and smack somebody, right? Yeah, no, I agree. They do. They definitely need that person. To, they need that next level person, like like that big that can do that. But Bruce Brown's supposed to be that. Like Bruce Brown's a tough, I know he's only a god, but he's a tough kid that like plays hot every night. He's a scrapper, but they just haven't, they haven't been able to get the consistent production that they really need. So they got to really. And there hasn't up. been anything concrete about KD, about timeline. It's been kind of innocuous, really. So we don't know when he'll be back, but MVP candidate at one point. I mean, it might hurt him with these injuries now. Um, and he'll most, most likely miss the All Star game as well because of it. But um, yeah, I mean, they, they need him back. I mean, they need Harden's, I think he's game to game. So he should be back pretty soon. But then you got Kyrie, can't play at home. It's just, it's just a constant shambles of affairs. So uh, we'll see if they bounce back and get some wins for next week. All star reserves have been announced. We'll go through the East right now Jimmy Butler, Darius Garland, James Harden, Zach Levine, Chris Middleton, Jason Tatum, and Fred Van Vliet. And then you go over to the West, uh, Devin Booker, who, who arguably could be in the starting lineup. Um, Luka Doncic, Rudy Gobert, Draymond Green, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, Carl Anthony Towns. Um, any surprises for you? Um, I think it was pretty solid. I think it's pretty pretty spot on in my opinion. Yeah, pretty solid, Bogues. I don't really have anybody that's uh, that I was like, wow, this, this player should have definitely made the All-Star team. Um, I, don't, I don't really – did you hear anybody like sort of wailing about it? Like as far as this person I saw, should have made it that person? I think one snub was potentially um, Jared Allen. I saw his coach just come On out. On the East, and, right. Yeah, I saw his coach come out and say he thought that was a snub um, based on their record. They're third in the East right now, pro. So to only have one all-star, um, yeah, a little bit tough. But yeah, I think it's pretty close. Look, I mean, and don't forget, Draymond Green's out. He's going to be replaced by someone. So I'm interested to hear who you think that might be. There's DeJounte Murray from San Antonio is having a hell of a year. He could squeeze in there, but their record's pretty bad. Um, and then you've got Kevin Durant as well. So there's there's still two spots up for grabs. It'd be interesting to see who they who they put in for the replacements for those pro. Did you think Ball should have made it? You think, you, you think Mello should have made it? You know how they are with rookies too. Like if it's close and it's between a rookie and someone else, it's going to be someone else. That's just the reality of it. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't do it from a marketing point of view. We know Ball's brand is, is, is very, very hot right now. Who does he replace then in, in, in the East for you if, if he does get in Garland or Tatum? 
Yeah, that's a that's the thing. I'm not really that, you know, the I mean, he doesn't really have much of a resume yet. Ball's in his second year and all that. So it's like he doesn't really have a lot of it's not like he's an eight year veteran or something like that. So um I guess if Ball is gonna make it over anybody, it'll be like Levine, but Levine's had a hell of a year. I know he got And their record's the, way better, like Yeah, for sure. Know. No, I don't I you know me, like I could care less about the all star game, so I'm not gonna be wailing about it. Jared Allen with somebody definitely that I would be like, yeah, you know, he probably should have made it over somebody. Like, I guess the the people that you would think about that should make the game, <clears throat> you'd probably say Tyler Hero, Jared Allen, Ball, not in that order. Those are probably the three players that somebody would say, eh, prob- maybe should have made it. But we well, look yeah, at the East so- All-Star Reserves, Pro. They are all, there's not one big on there, um, including a, including four. There's no four or five. <laughs> They're all guards. Every single one of them is a guard. Um, I mean, Butler can move to the three, but Garland, Harden, Levine, Middleton, Tatum, Van Vliet, they're all they're all twos. Tatum can go to the three, and then everyone else is a one or a two. So it's pretty one-sided with the way it's going, and it's it definitely – as a big fellow big, it's um, definitely ob- – it's obvious that the bigs are being alienated a little bit. I mean, obviously, we go to the, we go to the West, it's the same kind of thing. You've got Gobert and Green and Towns um, and the rest of guards, and um, that's just the reality of, of how and what small ball has done. It's even trickled down to the all-star voting, bro. So – no surprises there, but I did um, – no offense to these guys. I'm going to put that out there, but I did find an opportune time for you to nap during the All-Star Game Pro. Now, I know you probably nap all, all through because you don't watch it. <laughs> yeah, how about – here's an opportune time. When the fucking ball goes up for the jump ball and then when the final buzzer, I'll fucking wake up. No, you got the events though, Pro. I'm talking about the weekend. So oh, Friday night. Friday, yeah, Friday Saturday, night. Sunday. The dunk contest is an opportune time for a nap. Um, no offense to the guys in it, but Obi Toppin, Jalen Green, Juan Toscano Anderson, and Cole Anthony. Not watching it. Um, just, uh, I, folks, I really haven't been. What was the, what was the all-star game where there was like eight missed fucking dunks? Oh, like, man, when they had Iguodala, that rule, it was on a make, and then you had guys, and then Iguodala, guys just trying Iguodala, crazy Iguodala, stuff. Yeah, when Iguodala got screwed out of it. I think that might have been – and I, I hate that probably since – I don't know when I stopped watching the dunk contest, but, like, I like the three-point contest, obviously, but the dunk, like – that was, like, the last dunk contest I would ever watch. That Like, after that, I was like, I'm done. Even Iguodala, because we had him at Grover's, and he said that, yeah, I'm fucking done with this dunk contest bullshit. Because I think <laughs> he lost to, like – who who did he lose to? Did he lose to, like, Green – uh, um, was kid it with the four fingers or something, four and a half. Fing- um, was it or or Nate? Was it Nate? Oh, Nate. It was either Nate or Green. I forgot which one he lost. To. Yeah, he had that crazy behind the backboard dunk, right, where he threw it off the side yeah. of the backboard. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like the last time I've really had a thrill was 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 Vince Carter and me. That, that was that set the bar. Once Vince Carter did what he did. Um, I just he, he was doing stuff that was so far ahead of his time, ahead of his, you know not ahead of his time, but guys still today can't do a lot of stuff he was doing. And once they started bringing in props, I was off it. I'm like, fuck, like you're bringing in candles and you're you're bringing in oh lift the backboard, lift the rim to twelve feet, Dwight Howard. No offense, he was just doing whatever he could to win it. But Superman Cape, all the theatrics of it, I get it's for the crowd and everything, but it just Vince Carter's one was just like. Got my Toronto jersey on, and I'm just gonna every dunk I'm doing. Um, the crowd is on its feet, going crazy, you know. Like, and, and that's what it, it was. Just 
I still remember that as a kid. I think that was was that 2000, 2001, 99, somewhere around there. It yeah, it was just just an, how do you, I mean, how do you better that, bro? Like you can't. And I don't think it's been better to this day. Nah, plus every dunk's been seen. I mean, dunks are cool. Don't get me wrong. Even if you've seen them in past dunk contests, but like you're not getting. I mean, I think they're just really trying to do new stuff, and it's really nothing. You know. It's like a new move in basketball. Nothing's been fucking, hasn't been a new move in 20 years. Like, you're not really creating anything. But anyways, I'm, not, I'm, I'm just not into it. Have you seen the three-point contest announced? I haven't seen the names. I have not seen the three-point contest announced yet, no. So it hasn't, I don't think it has been. I'm trying to Google it right now as we're on, on but I haven't, um, I haven't seen the names on that one yet. I know <laughs> Joe Ingles, we'll talk about him a bit later, unfortunately hurt himself, but he would always he would always knock it back and he'd get mad at him because he's just like I want <laughs> I want my all star break for my kids and my family and then uh, you know you know how that goes then the NBA scrap Ex- once you say no to them then they're gonna try yeah to, now you're fucked yeah exactly like <laughs> it goes all your bonus potential money yeah um, but all right trades there was one made over the week interesting one the Clippers they traded Eric Bledsoe Justice Winslow Keon Johnson future second round pick to the Trailblazers for Norman Powell and Robert Covington. And the Clippers also sent a 2025 second round pick that they had via Detroit to that one. Salary dump, pro? Salary dump totally for Portland. Uh, expect CJ McCollum to be dealt probably in the next, if not in the offseason, you know, before All Star break. I think, I think this is the beginning of the end for Portland, in my opinion, just trying to, you know, just trying to get off money and, and, and just start over, to be honest with you. And I think this is a fantastic, fantastic trade for the Clippers because. They give up almost nothing. Now, no, you know, Bledsoe's not nothing. He's okay. But, like, yeah, let's be honest. They gave up nothing, you know, to get, to, <laughs> to get a guy. Yeah, to get Norman a guy. Powell. And Covington yeah. was solid. And he's, he's had some solid years in his past. Like, they get, they get, Powell's a great scorer with the injuries they got with George and Kawhi. It's a fucking great backup um, type you know, third string guy when those guys are healthy, but he can he can move to a two or a one option on your team when he's hot, especially. So I think they they push to the playoffs with this. Um, I think it'll make him much more much more kind of gives them a chance to just compete now a little bit better with some scoring because I was struggling to score in phases of their games. Yeah, and I think for next year this really sets them up. I don't think they really give a fuck about this year because I think I think they know that Kawhi's probably not going to come back this year, and now. With those two guys who are going to, George and Kawhi, you know they're going to take nights off for, you know, resting purposes and all this stuff and injury maintenance. So, like like you said, when those guys are out, he'll have plenty of nights where he could score 28 for you and then slide into that third role where he could he give you 18, 19, 20, but then spread that out with Morris and Mann and those guys. Then, you you know, those two, you know, you still got Jackson that could, that could score a little bit. You got Zubac who could clean you up on the on, you know on the glass. I mean, they've got they've got a really good roster that could be they could be tough to stop next season, not this season, but definitely healthy. Next yeah, season. and you don't usually see a guy in the first year of a of a big contract get moved like Powell did. You know, he's in the first year of his he's pretty he's ninety million five year ninety million. So you don't you don't often see that. Probably you don't often see a, a team get off a guy. But Portland, you know, like you said. It, um, it looks as though they're going to start to, you know, put that uh, gunpowder in the in the TNT and blow that thing up because I think um, Dane, as we know, more than likely out um, for the rest of the season. Does McCollum get moved? 
Um, has that has this ruled them out of the Simmons stakes? Probably, I think. Um, I mean, why would you and why would you go after Ben if you don't have those two shooters or at least one of those shooters fully bought in? Um, uh, and then now with Bledsoe not being a great three point shooter, you can't play him with Ben. So I think this almost rules them out of Ben stakes as well. I think they could still do it, Bogues. I think you're right. For those reasons, you're absolutely right. Like, why would you bring in Simmons if you're going to get rid of the shooting? But if you're, lo- if you're losing money, right, and Dame's going to leave, and you're going to do all this other stuff, right, and you want to bring in a young player that people might want to see in Simmons. I wouldn't want to bring Simmons in. But if I, if I was the Titanic and, you know, I'm an hour past uh, Leonardo doing his little fucking pose in the front of the ship in the Titanic and I'm an hour past that and I'm about to sink with the fucking violin players in the water up to their chin, you know, I would bring Simmons in to be my guy. But they still could bring him in depending on what Dame's going to do. Um, By the way, we need, some, I, we need some fucking shares in the Titanic as a, as a ship and as a movie, man, because- no doubt. That and Shawshank. Like those two, I think Titanic might be number one, Shawshank number two, but we need some fucking shares. So if anyone that was involved in those movies, the you know, even the ship, um, even that's just in jail, like give us some shares, man. <laughs> give us some shares. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt. Cause I, I love those movies, man. But <laughs> I, I think I think Portland is because you really got nothing back. I mean, you didn't get first round picks, you didn't get yeah, it's a dump. It's ha- straight dump. I was a good player too. Like you could have definitely gotten better packages. You probably, but anyways, I digress. Shit, when, when they made that, when they made that deal, we were hiring it. Uh, we both were like, "Shit, this is a legit third option to put next to those two scoring guards in Portland." We still question their defense, but we're like, "Shit, they can put up one twenty a night." You know, some nights, right? And it just hasn't come together. It's been a he's probably been a victim of circumstance to to an extent because of the injuries and everything going on, but. That's the machine the NBA is. But um, do you think this trade season, you think it's going to be, what are your thoughts? So Thursday, US time, Friday, Australian time, at our time of recording is, is when um, the deadline lapses and you can't make trades, obviously. You think we're going to have a quiet one or, or a busy one or a moderate? What's your, what's your take? You know, it always, it, it always starts with the first one. You know, I think everybody waits on the first one. I don't think it's going to be as exciting as people want it to be. I don't think Dane Willard's going to get dealt. I don't think Simmons is going to get dealt. I don't think Harden's going to be dealt. But that's just my own sick fucking mind because I think that, you know, we'll talk about it later, I think, in the pod. Maybe not. But um, I don't know what's going to happen with the Harden deal, even though people are thinking that he's going to get dealt to Philly. And, well, Woj um, Bomb, as we were started this podcast, it popped up on the bottom of my screen. Woj just said that uh, Kevin Durant has gone on record with the Brooklyn Nets that he wants James Harden to stay. So, and we know, we know, Kate, he would obviously have a lot of pull. So, you know, I mean, continue on knowing I mean, that. Yep. I mean, do you want to talk about it now or are we going to talk about it later? No, we can talk about, it, talk about yeah, it. Yeah, go for it. All right. So, here's the thing that fucks this whole thing, the, the deal up. Harden, say he wants to leave, right? And Philly wants him. And Philly's pretty fucking smart about it. They're not going to deal Simmons. They're going to wait. They know that if this guy wants out, that he's going to want out and he's going to go there. Because you know what's going to happen, folks. And I've already heard this is going to happen. And people are putting failures out. Where if Harden goes anywhere but Philly, 
He's going to eat himself to, out of that team like Houston. And don't ex- yeah, don't expect him to play more than like 30 games next year. And I know he's a baller and I, he loves to play and all this stuff, but he is not going to re-sign with any, almost any other team, right? If, unless he goes to Philly. Mm-hmm. So, like if, so like if you're sack, right? If you're sack, if you're Portland, if you're San Antonio, and you've got all these, these assets, if Indiana, and you've got all these assets you can give to Brooklyn if, if they want to deal Hodden. But you know that you're going to give up all these assets and he may, he's probably not going to re-sign with you. Why the fuck would you do it? And the understanding with Brooklyn, though, folks, that I don't understand is like they have all the cards in this. First of all, they're still a championship level team. You know, when all the, when all the smoke clears, they still can win a championship this season if everybody stays. Look, you don't have Durant. You know, the, the Ky- Kyrie just came back. Harden's Harden. You could still win a championship. So right now you're struggling a little bit and you're thinking about trading this guy. Maybe if it's true, they hold all the cards. Like, like people think that Philly owns all the cards in this. They need, they need Brooklyn's help to get this guy. They can't get him in free agency. If he opts out of his contract, he's, what is he going to play for? $8 million next year? They don't have the money to pay him. Mm-hmm. They, don't, they don't have the cap room to pay him. So Brooklyn should know this. So like, if I'm Brooklyn, and look, if – Look, the Kyrie thing's already a shit show. How, you know, Durant's going to go balls to the wall every night. You know he's going to play hard as fuck. But, but with Harden, if you lose Harden, you're fucked. And if you lose Harden for Simmons, so you still got to deal, like if you're going to trade him for Simmons straight up, now you're really fucked. So if I'm them, I'm going to try to win a championship and try to keep these guys together and say, look, we can do this. You know, you got to, let, let's, let's, let's be together on that. So, and if I do trade him, to Philly, it's not just going to be for Simmons. I'm taking Thibel back. I'm taking Maxi back. I'm taking Picks back because they need Harden. They need Harden because that team is a good team, but they can't beat anybody really good without another weapon. And the only way they can get another weapon is by trading Simmons. And, you know, but this whole thing, though, Bogues, is like if they're going to trade him, they're only going to trade him to, to Philly. You know, because of the fact that I think all these teams are going to get scared that they're going to give up all these assets and get nothing in return. Yeah, and then they're walk. really fucked. Yeah, he's going to walk. Yeah. yeah. And, and you got to commend Harden. He's, he's the way he structured his contract with Brooklyn for this very reason. He, he holds all the leverage for the most part at all times. Um, and people will say, well, if he's traded to a team, he should be forced to play. Yeah, well, he will for 30 odd games and then he's a free agent. So to Pro's point, he holds he holds the most leverage in all this. He can dictate where he wants to go, even though he's under contract and can be traded. Um, so, kudos to him and his management because they've they've structured it the perfect way where he can he's not locked in to do anything he does not want to do. But um, what yeah. do you think, Bogues? Do you think they're really in trouble? Like, uh, forget about the trade stuff. If you're them and you're the owner and you could do whatever you want, you don't have to trade them. You could keep them if you want. Brooklyn, like. Yeah, are you really thinking they're in trouble? If those get like if, if Durant comes back, Kyrie, say Kyrie, you know, say the mandate stuff gets cleaned up, maybe by next year, but you know, he could play in the playoffs and or whatever, like, you know, he's gotta go, can't play home games or whatever. But like do you are you like all saying healthy? I gotta trade out? Yeah. I mean, what? look, if they're yeah. all healthy and all can play, there's still a chance, but it's just clunky. It's just they haven't it hasn't flowed nicely, it hasn't come together nicely. There's, you know, who knows about 
whether there's some animosity in that locker room because of Kyrie and all that kind of stuff. There were reports there was that Harden was frustrated, blah, blah, blah. Who knows? But it's not the opportune run you want going into what should be a deep playoff push in a championship run. You need some cohesiveness. Like, I don't buy this whole, like, we can just go, you know, 600, you know, 60%, 70% of our wins, coast into the playoffs, and we've got three stars. We're just going to turn it on. You still need a, you know, that affects your role players because your role players need to find a rhythm. Like, your role players need to figure out who am I on this team when those guys are healthy. Like, like is Paddy Mills jacking up, you know, a lot of his touches, uh, you know, right up as soon as you bring the ball up offensively, you know, 15, 16, 17 seconds on the shot clock when all three guys are healthy in a big game that's close, who knows, you know? Um, but when they're out, he has to be that gunner. So then his mentality has to change. Bruce Brown's mentality has to change. Claxton, like, hey, you might not get a touch for a quarter, but we need you to be physical inside. Like, that's what people don't realize when you say, people say, oh, yeah, they got three stars. They'll turn it on when it comes playoff time. There's still other players on the court. There's two other players with those three players plus the bench. They have to get in their rhythm. Cam Thomas, young fella, like he needs to get his rhythm and feel good about himself. So it's not as easy as that. I'm not, I think they'll be, if they're all perfectly healthy, they'll be in the mix, but I'm not sold on them as of today because I think, you know, you you need to you need to glue that together and get some get some cohesiveness. It's 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 a, there's the flow and all that kind of stuff, and they don't they still don't know who they are. Like what are, you know, yeah, you got your three stars, but are you going to win a game by just isolating those three stars? Are you going to win a game by grinded out stops? Are you going to win a game by fast up tempo shoot eighteen seconds or less? Like you know what I mean? Like it's, I just I'm not sold on that, and that's what concerns me. Yeah, and. The thing too is like if you're Brooklyn, you're gonna deal them to a conference. First of all, you're gonna t- tr- you know you're gonna deal them to somebody in your conference in your division. I'm sorry, which rarely happens, by the way. Yep. Yeah, it definitely definitely doesn't happen. And then somebody that is probably tampering, you know, <laughs> yeah. as we speak. So like they they bent you over with this whole thing, and you're gonna send them to somebody in your conference, and you can't if you do it right. If you do do it. And I understand why other teams wouldn't do it and wouldn't step in. And like we talked about this to death. So, you know, I'm not going to talk about trade scenarios and all that stuff. But if you're going to trade them to Philly, if I'm that owner, I'm taking a stand. I'm like, you know what? You guys fucked us. And you need us because you're not going to get this guy in free agency if he walks. If he decides to, if he, if he decides to, you know, to, to not do next year, not opt in, you, you know, you're not going to get him. So, like, you're, I'm taking everything. I'm taking everything that I can get. Because you can't, like, if you get Simmons, right, and you put Simmons, Kyrie, and Durant, now where are you? You're, you're, you're fucked. You're fucked. If you're just going to deal that guy straight up to straight up. You got to get either Because, I mean, I feel like Ben brings that. He could be that. Now, this is if he buys into that role, bro. He could, he could be that intangibles guy we're talking about. He's, he's, he could be that guy that's like, hey, 10, 10, and 8 a night, get, get, get KD going, get Kyrie going, and, and lock up the best player on the other team. He could be that guy. Do they need three? Maybe. Do they need three all, Hall of Fame scorers? Hmm, that, that's what I question. I think I don't think the Ben thing would be awful for them. I think uh, I think that, you know, I think Bruce Brown potentially loses his minutes because he can't shoot the ball as well. But you think about the way Steve Nash plays. He goes super small. You can put Ben at the five for stretches. And you got KD, you got Kyrie, you got Patty, and then you got some, you know, Cam Thomas. That's a pretty good lineup, like offensively, right? And you've you've improved your defense overnight. So 
I don't think it's horrible. I, I think it's I think if I think who wins is Philly. Like you've got a you've got an elite post scorer. Now you've got an elite creator from the perimeter too. Oof, big and small. I think that's a that's a dangerous mix. And like you said, if I'm Brooklyn, I'm then worried about that matchup in the playoffs. Yeah, I just think I think you need more though. Like I think you can get more because look, if you don't decide to do this deal, right? And you if you don't do this deal and say he opts in, he won't opt in. Like if he's if he's not happy, he'll opt out and do whatever. But like look who has salary. You know, like look who has salary left. He's not going to go to Oklahoma City. They got the most salary. Boston might have close to a max. I doubt that he goes there. Um, he's going to want to play for top dollar. There aren't many teams with top dollars left. So they're going to, he's going to need them to, you know, to get a deal done. So like if I'm Brooklyn, I'm like, look, I'll let this guy walk. Worst comes to worst, I let this guy walk, which you're not going to want him to walk, obviously. But I'm like, look, you got to give me three or four things. You got to get, you know, I'm not taking back Tobias Harris or whatever because I'm not throwing, but you got some young players you can get that you can make some deals work, you know, for Brooklyn to get extra deals. That's what I'm saying. Get Thibel, get, get Maxi, get, you know, I don't know what, what else you get, but if you can get those two guys and then you can get Simmons, I'm okay with the deal now. But I'm just, I, I'm not okay with, now I'm okay with getting just Simmons if that's all I can get. But I think you could hold them over the coals because they need Brooklyn. It's not just like he's going to opt out and go to Philly. They don't have the money. They have a mid-level exception, which I think if you're a taxpayer mid-level, I'm not sure about their salary, what they're doing total, but that's like six or seven million bucks a year. He's not doing that. So that it's going to have to be done by trade. In Philly, you know, you know, Daryl Morey's got a hard on for Harden. We all know it. And he's going to do anything he can to get the kid. But he'll play hardball to the end. And if, if, if he bluffs and you're like, and you go for it and you just swap Harden for Simmons, I just think you're doing a, your, your organization a disservice. Mm. I think you've got to take them for everything you can get if you're going to make this deal. I don't think they have to make it, but I see your point too, that like you don't need the three all-stars. And Simmons, look, he can God. I just don't trust the kid. I don't trust him to be a winner. I don't trust him. He's a talent, all that stuff. I think you need more. And I think I think Philly can give you more, but you've got to play hardball. With it. Yeah, and the whole Ben thing being being third wheel next to two other stars, I'm not sure he's too sold on that. So, um, but if there's a, another two stars to be ahead of you, would be those two guys, um, Kyrie and KD. So maybe he'll buy into that role. Who knows? Maybe it doesn't happen, but we'll see. The the last one I've got from the trade front, um, Millsap buyout imminent. Um, Bulls in the mix. The only reason I bring this up isn't because of the the Bulls pro. There's one other team that's interested in good old Paul Millsap. He's a very old, aging veteran. Who do you think that team would be, bro? Oh, don't tell me the fucking Lakers. Correct. Correct. Oh, shit. It is the last. (laughs) That's the only reason I put it in because we've, if you're an avid follower of our podcast, we did a spiel on Lakers being the oldest team by far, the slowest team. Um, StatMuse did stats on the team that are on their knees the most during a game, meaning hands on knees. Um, and then Paul Millsap, who's you know mid thirties, has come up as a free agent, and they're the first to put their hand up. So they'll only get older, which is great. Segwaying into the Lakers, I'm, bro. I'm gonna beat. I'm gonna beat the. I'm gonna beat Woj to this one. I'm hearing that the Lakers are in talks to Bill Russell to come back and 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 fill their five spot. So you know, so they're gonna be negotiating with Bill Russell and sign him by uh, by All Star break. 
<laughs> yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what they do, man, because they're, they're all over the place. But that's when we segue into this. I don't know if you saw this, but the Lakers took away lifetime season tickets from Jerry uh, West, bro. From Jerry West, who's the logo, yeah. right. official, unofficial logo of the NBA, uh, without any warning. Blindsided um, good old Jerry West. And I know Jerry West. Look, he's he's a say say what he thinks kind of guy. Um, you know, a little bit, little bit of profanity in there, so he's our kind of guy. But he's, I had good experiences being around him. No issue with him. This is his quote. It was a cold phone text to my wife. No one had the nerve to even call me. That's how petty they are. Okay, I love the Lakers. I love to see them do well. It's great for basketball when they do well. I'm proud of everything that happened when I was there. But sometimes you feel like you are dis- you are discarded like a piece of trash, bro. This is this is you know one of the best players of all time in our league um, from a historical standpoint. He is the logo. Um, I haven't got a reason as to why. I assume it's because he works for the Clippers. Would that be it, bro? But I mean, geez, what's going on? Yeah, he's had a on again, off again relationship with them since he left there to go run the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, I know he had it out with Phil Jackson. Him and Phil didn't get along. Um, you know, yeah, I mean the, the Clipper thing. Probably, I think he said some stuff about them in, in passing um, in, in different media, you know, outlets. I think I'm not sure if this is before or after the season tickets, but there was some article written where he just like went at the Lakers, I believe. So it might've been after the tickets or whatever, but you know, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know what was said or how that relationship really is, but I mean, like it ain't like they have nine courtside seats. He gave him. I'm sure it's whatever. Like, you know, what are you going to do? Just take his tickets away. And yeah, but why? It's I just like know. with everything going on right now, um, it's you just ask the question as to why, like why even bother doing that? Like, so, you know, Jeannie or Palinka are angry. We got to get Jerry West. I'm going to text his wife. Your tickets are canceled. Yeah, oh, we got you. Like, why? It only looks shitty on you now when, when one of the, you know, Jerry West, love him or hate him. What are, those, what, what are you going to do with those four tickets that you were do, that you weren't doing before? Like, what is it moving the needle? Or, you know, it's just, just seems so, it does seem petty. It's really petty. Oh, it's an organization that would like, like fired people that were working for them for 30 years by email, you know, like, you know, that's what they do They're It's a fucked up spot. Like, and it's the Lakers. Like we talked about this last week. They're probably top five sports organization in the world. And the way sometimes they're run and some of the things that they do, like I was, I was shocked. Like Kobe told me, that like, yeah, like they fired people that were there for like 20, 30 years and they just like emailed them. They didn't like, you know, no, thank you. No, you know, no face to face, nothing by email. Like, hey, you got a week to get out, like, get your stuff out, blah, 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 blah. And that's it. Like, they're weird like that. And, you know, they don't pay all that well unless it's just like Phil Jackson or whatever, whatever. But like their support staff. You know, they're weird how they treat people, man. They don't treat people well. And, and I I've got that, that feel when I was there, bro. I got that. I didn't spend a lot of time there. I was there for, you know, what, four or five months. I got the feel for like you should constantly be thankful that you get to wear the Lakers logo. Um, whether you're selling tickets for us, whether you're a cheerleader or a player, we're going to 
we can screw you out of money, we can screw you out of X, Y, Z because we are the Lakers. And that, that's a feel that I got, um, not just for me, just watching, just observing, right? Like um, it was, you're right. I think they they use that namesake because they're one of the most iconic brands and it's kind of like you should be thankful we even gave you the opportunity. Yes, we're paying you below minimum wage potentially. <laughs> that's a joke, but – you know, we're not paying you the industry standard, let's say, because you've got a Lakers. You can tell you can tell your friends and family you're a Laker. You know, that's worth something. And that's that's how they do business, which is a shame because they are the highest earning, you know, NBA team always, even when they suck. They're the, one of the most iconic brands in, in world sport. Um, it just sucks that they they go to those lengths. But, you know, if they're doing it to Jerry West, they're doing it to Jerry Smith, who's, um, you know, mopping the floors as well. So don't be surprised when they, when they treat those people below them. That way, um, Donovan Mitchell. Look, we got another one right, bro. We got another one right. I have to pat myself on the back. Um, Good for you, man. Yes, we are, we are getting them right more than wrong. We had a rough start because of you and your picks. Um, <laughs> oh, but, my picks are terrible. Yeah, so are mine. Um, but we're getting some of this stuff right. Just reading the room stuff. Maybe that can be our our calling card here at Robo's. We read between the lines and can figure out these relationships between players before they even know it. But report says Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert relationship is reportedly very passively, aggressively awkward. You know what that means? <laughs> That's not going to yeah, last. Yeah, that ain't great. It's not going to last. And and we we kind of called it um, when, I, when I read that article about, you know, Rudy calling out no one specifically but saying Devin Booker – He's, he buys in defensively and plays hard defensively. You're like, that's directed at Donovan, 100%. So this does not surprise me. With the rumors um, as to Donovan potentially leaving, he's, last week we said, you know, that he's, people in his camp are leaking. They think he's too big of a star for Salt Lake. This could be the, the one thing that's also used as an excuse. You factor that all in, you put it all in a blender. And I think um, – yeah, I think that the days are numbered for Donovan in a Utah jersey. So, Jazz fans, I'm sorry, but I think enjoy it while you've got it. I think he's out of there as soon as as soon as viably possible. Um, and it's just the unfortunate reality of the NBA. But the relationship was in turmoil and has been in turmoil for a while. Probably got that one right. Yeah, you know, you could just read it. Uh, I mean, you read these these things way more than I do, or better than <clears throat> better than I do, and. You've been calling this for a while, and, and it, it definitely seems like something's off. You know, I, I don't know if it started with the COVID stuff or not or whatever, but it, it definitely, it's definitely a little chilly with that with those two. And you know, even though that Donovan Mitchell came out in the last couple of days and said that no, everything's fine, we're good. Um, that solidifies I, it. Whenever you have to give one of those, no doubt. <laughs> no, our coach yeah. is safe. <laughs> Press yeah, conferences, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, a, t- a Titanic situation doesn't start until a player says everything's okay, just like the NBA season doesn't start until there's a players-only meeting. And um, I think that that's a beginning of the end there. I think, it, like, look, they've been up and down, and I know Rudy's been out and, and Donovan's been out with the, you know, with the concussion stuff, but if they don't make a run, I, I think they're going to break this team up. I, I really do. And I think, um, I think Gorbeer will be gone. I, I, I don't think that they're going to keep him. I think they'll, they'll move on and, They'll do everything they can to keep Mitchell there. So you think they'll move Gobert? I think so, yeah. I think if there's anybody to be moved, it's him. Look, D. Wade's there. He's got a relationship. Even though Danny Ainge is running things, um, you know, D. Wade's Wade's and Mitchell are really tight. You think that if D. D. Wade's got a meeting 
you know, with management and they're asking him in his opinion, he's going to take Orbeer over, D, you know, Mitchell. Oh, no doubt about that. Somebody. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. But just, so, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, tough, yeah, tough piece to move because at least, you know, look, one thing about Gobert, he wants to be there. <laughs> it's risky. You move Gobert and then a year later anyway, he's like, oh, I still want out, you know, so. You know what? I I mean, I, I look, I, I have no intel on this, but you know what wouldn't be a bad move if they, if they just need to get rid of him and they're trying to start over or whatever, I mean, you could probably deal him to Oklahoma City and they could absorb his deal for the most part. And, you know, now they got a, a center to put with Giddy and they got all these picks and stuff. And I know they're in tank mode and they're trying to, you know, they're trying to lose and get great picks. But I mean, think about it. If, you know, if they move Gorbear in the offseason, absorb his money, they got one more really high pick. You know, they got Giddy, they got him, they got a couple other players, Dort and those guys. And you put, you put, Gorbea there, who's a def- you know the best defensive player in the league. I mean, that's a. I mean, look, that's. I'm just spitballing here, but I'm just saying. I think he's going to lose out. I think he's gone. If anybody, you know, I think they're going to really reshuffle that team if if they don't make a run. I think if if they don't get to the conference finals, at least I think I think there's going to be major changes done there. Yeah, fair enough. It looks. I mean, there's there's no no other route for them, which leads us into Joe Ingles. Um, unfortunately. You know, doing his doing his ACL about a week ago. I know you text me. I was on the road. Actually, wasn't watching the game. I was doing some stuff, and um, you text me, and then a few other people text me, and I was like, I, you know, you didn't really know at the time. You just said, you know, Joe knee, and, I, and then we, as soon as you wrote back non-contact, I was like, fuck, because I thought maybe knee on knee, maybe something like that, because then that straight away kind of reduces your, your your stress about an ACL. As soon as you said non-contact, I was like, shit. So as soon as I stopped the car, I tried to find injury i found the video and i'm like yeah that's that's not looking good i hope i hope it's you know not what what it looks like and it was it's confirmed to be an acl generally nine nine to twelve months um nine is a shorter but you know the the elephant in the room is is joey's 34 years of, of age um he's 35 in october so a year-long injury will put him to january february he'll be 35 going on to 36 um what are your thoughts i, I had him as I thought he might pick up some sort of Patty Mills deal um, in the offseason potentially to maybe a championship contender, maybe a, you know, a one-year mid-level, maybe a, you know, a two-year 10 million to someone like a Brooklyn or someone that, that would have uh, some cap space maybe at that time or someone that needs a shooter, a veteran that can just be happy with his role. Um, I think that's that's unfortunately probably going to be out the window now. Um what are your thoughts? He's, he's he's been on record saying that he's he's going he's going to grind it back. His goals haven't changed. He hasn't alluded to what those goals are. I texted him. He's in pretty good spirits. He just said that um, this is foreign ground for him. He's never had a year long injury, so it's just it's it's kind of overwhelming uh, for him. You know, t- speaking to different doctors, where do I do my rehab? Who does my surgery? All that kind of stuff. That's what now he he's having to deal with. Um, where do I base myself and my family? So he's gone through all that, which is stressful. Take it from me. I've, I've done it numerous times. And that's the hardest part is, is organizing all those dominoes to make sure that you've got the right support network to get you back. But he's on record about wanting to come back. What are your thoughts? I mean, I don't, I don't, I think that the dark horse would be to suggest to bring him back on a vet min, even while he's hurt, keep him around because I think they like, they like what he's about in the locker room and he's a good guy. So I think that would be, Probably, if I had to call it, probably his best option at this point. If that was offered, whether it, whether it is offered with their rebuild and if they blow the team up or where they go, who knows? But you know, do you see anything more than a vet min deal for him? Do you think he'll make it back? What are, What are your thoughts all around it? 
first of all, I should call Tim Grover. <laughs> Tim, Tim, uh, Tim helped McGrady and Arenas back with microfractured knees. Believe me, he's not done. I think he'll be back. Um, I think he'll be back. Look, I think obviously his production will probably be take a hit. Um, I think teams like Boston, look for Utah for should definitely sign him. You know, they should definitely sign him to have him around. I mean, he he's such a, a winning player and he does everything right as far as being a leader, somebody you could, you know, you could sort of revolve around and you want your young players around. Um, if Utah wants to move on from him, whatever, I have no idea. I think he'll be back. Look, if this was 10 years ago, you'd probably like, yeah, he's fucked. But like with with technology and with, you know, these surgeries, even later in your career, you could definitely make a comeback. If I'm Boston, I'm giving him almost a blank check. And like, look, our young guys are fucked up. Like, we need you here. We need you here. Like, if I'm Boston, forget about it. Like, you know, I'm giving him two years, ten, two, five a year at least. You know, if that's going to take, you need guys like that. There aren't guys like that anymore in the league. There aren't these real leadership like tough guys anymore in the league. They're, they, they lead in different ways. This guy, you know, he's one of like an old school guy. He's like a guy, one of those guys drafted in the nineties, tough kid plays hard, you know, wears it on his sleeve. And he's someone like young players could definitely learn how to be professional and how to be winners. And I think, you know, and obviously for the Olympics in 24, he wants to come back anyway. But I think for the NBA, I think if I'm, a team and I had that money, I would definitely give him it. Now, maybe, maybe he gets the minimum, who knows, but if I'm Boston and I need, you know, I need him around Brown and, you know, Brown and Tatum, especially if he's going to miss the most of the year, I would definitely want him around, but he's not done. He's definitely not done. I think he's, I think he's got a little bit more of a run left in him another year or two. And again, I don't know how productive he's going to be with that injury at that age, but with modern technology, modern science, you know, and I, I, with surgeries, I think that I think he could definitely make another run at it. Another team, OKC, um, they've got plenty of cap space. Bring him in to, to to work with Giddy and just keep his head screwed on straight. They're they're already you know Joe kind of already mentors him, so that's another one. Memphis would be the other one. I think that wouldn't be a horrible, um, not so much from leadership, but just once he is healthy. Um, and the one thing you touched on outside of technology, this isn't a guy that is overly athletic um, at the best of times, right? So we talk about, um, you know, ACL to certain guys like your D-Rose and that, yeah, going to greatly affect their game, right? When they come back, it's going to take time to come back. Their athleticism, you know, no offense to Joey, but he's below par athleticism when it comes to average in the NBA. This That helps him in this circumstance, in my opinion, because he comes back from this injury, you're not worried about – you're not signing him to get in the lane and dunk, dunk on people. You're not signing him to push the ball up 100 miles an hour. You're signing him because he's a steady leader that shoots the ball at 40% from three. So I think that that he actually plays in his hand a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, look, he's – I did an article uh, this week in, in, in Australian newspaper around it, but, um, you know, he does have a young family. The, and I, I think – there will be a day where he looks to come back to Australia. I think um, there's people out there that think, well, will this be the push that brings him back? I don't think it will based on this. I think I think he's in that boat of mentally, I want to retire from the NBA on my own terms. And I totally get it. I did the same thing. And I, I was blessed enough to have that opportunity where I went out of the door of the NBA, not on my own terms. Um, injury broke my leg with Cleveland. 
thought that door was shut and, and Golden State a year later gave me a lifeline via the NBL to go back and then I left. Thankfully, I left in one piece on a plane this time um, back to Australia and wasn't hurt. And, and mentally, it was so relieving for me because I remember going into that season, playoff push finals, it was just kind of – I thought about it at one point. I was like, don't get hurt. Like, you know, do the best you can not to get hurt and go back on this damn plane in one piece and shut the door on the NBA – on your own terms. Now, there were Vetmin offers after that, um, after the World Cup to go back for – and I didn't want to do that and that was – that put a smile on my face because I was still somewhat – it might have been last last place on a roster with a few of the teams, so be it, but it, I still had some interest and I said no to it and mentally that helped me close that door. I think the same thing for Joey. I think he's going to rehab and come back to the NBA, whether it be for the rest of that season, whether it be a two-year deal, whatever it is, and then want to – leave on his own terms. And I totally get that. I totally get it mentally. And I th- I think this isn't for me talking to him and getting his thoughts on it. I, I try to stay away from that when I talk to him. Um, but that would be my pick of, of, of why he'd want to come back. And then obviously, like you said, the Olympics in 24, he'd want to go. That'll be his fourth, I believe. Yep, that'll be his fourth Olympics. Um, maybe five, actually. Wait, he's got 2008, 2012, 2000. No, that'll be, that'll be five for him. So... Um, he's been there with Patty, so yeah, I think you're spot on with the with the Olympic push pro. But yeah, it's, it sucks to see. You hate to see it, um, but he'll be he'll be back playing basketball again. It's just a matter of where and when, and we'll continue to to support him on Rogue Bogues. He has broken our nuts about us having Jock Landau on before him, so we um copped a little bit of shit. Well, that for that fucker's got it. You know what? You know that fucking if that phone works both ways. You know that that foreign button that that he hasn't used yet. It's called send, motherfucker. <laughs> Hit the send button and call us up, and he can be on the show. <laughs> now nah, he's asked a few times. Like, when are you gonna get me on the show? And you put Jock on before me. What the fuck? And I'm like, ah, Jock's my guy, but you're my guy too. So we'll see. We'll fit around your busy schedule, Joe. Um, you alerted me to this very very strange thing happened. Um, Charlotte versus Cleveland which would have been Saturday Australian time, Friday um, in the US. Go back to the game if you want to watch it. Um, if you got Lee passed in the fourth quarter, the score was, I think, 90. It was 90 to 84 at the time. It was around, you know, four or five minutes into the fourth quarter. But anyhow, the play goes something like this. There was a loose ball. Someone shot it. <clears throat> I think K Love stepped out of bounds or they caught a foul. They, they blew the whistle. And as they blew the whistle, the ball kind of um, – came out of someone's hands and just kind of dribbled along along the ground to Rosia, who was in the corner, outside the three, right in front of Cleveland's bench. The whistle had gone, though, and then a second later, Rosia just picked the ball up to shoot it. As he went to shoot it, someone from the Cleveland bench, you know how the benches are Ed these Davis. days. Ed Davis. and uh, I think Gar- was it Garland that was hurt in street clothes? Someone else as well. Uh, Sexton, maybe. Sexton, yep. Sexton. Um, they both reached out and kind of swiped at him. Ed Davis actually hit him. Um, and he shot it, missed it. The referee on that side blew his whistle, caught a technical foul. The referees meet, they talk. The Cleveland bench has gone crazy. The head coach has gone crazy saying it happened after the whistle. You caught a foul or an out of bounds under the basket. Then it happened after that. It clearly did when you watched the vision. Referees met. They gave Charlotte a count of the three ball, which was missed, by the way. Rosier didn't make the three. A count of the three ball. And then he got a free throw, so it was a four-point play, and I'm, I'm I'm still looking at it, scratching my head, pro. Like, is there a rule we don't know about? Because that, that surely cannot be the rule. If that was in live play, I get it. Um, and I'm not even sure what the rule is in live play. Would it, would it count if you missed the three? But 
absolute head scratcher. And then so it was a four point swing, and it could have got them back in the game. And then and then uh, Cleveland had to knock down two free throws late in the game by Kevin Love to win by a point. It could have cost them the game. Um, what do you, have you found out anything about it, Pro? Because like I can't get my head around the rule. I yeah, I haven't really found anything out about it. Like I thought. I, a, f- a friend of mine was, you know, w- watching the game. He goes, are you watching this shit? I go, nah. And he was the same one who told me about the Vanderpool th- stuff when that happened a few weeks back. But no, I said, no, what happened? He goes, this dumb motherfucker, Ed Davis, hit this, um, you know, hit this guy in the back when he's shooting a three. And I'm like, what? I said, was he in the game? He goes, no, he was on the bench. And I hate that. Like, I think there's too much fuckery, Tom fuckery that goes on on that bench. Guys getting up, walking around, yelling and things like that during a game. I think that, you know, there's too much shit that goes on over there. And like, no, he goes, no, he hit him. And I'm like, so he didn't tell me about the out of bounds. I found that out this morning. He just said, I thought it was like a live play. And then they called the, the, the three point good and, and one. And I said, oh, wow. But then I found out it was the out of bounds. And I'm just surprised that the three refs got together and they couldn't figure out that it was a dead play. And I don't know the rule on that as far as like, I've never seen that before. I've never seen it. 10 years in the NBA, 30 years of watching the NBA, never seen that happen before. So on a dead ball, they award a four point play based on him getting hit by another, you know, a player from the other team that's sitting down at the. Bench. I think that's the rule that has. That, that's probably the rule in live play. I'd assume, if I had to guess, right? I don't. It's never been. But I think um, the referees fucked it up. Like it, I think it, at best it's a technical foul right now because you're on the bench. You shouldn't be touching a player that's on the court. But then what's the difference between that and the old? Remember J.R. Smith was dapping up the Milwaukee bench <laughs> through the ball in oh, bounds, yeah. and his guy got a layout. What's the difference between that yeah. and dapping someone up? Right. So look, at best they could have teed the guy up. Um, and Tia bench tech one free throw get the ball back but counting the three that it missed as well there's just so much shit that and I agree we've discussed the Tom Fuller on the bench and the standing up and the yelling and all that kind of shit they, they need to clean it up and I mean I'm all for bench support like when you're a bench player I think you should support your teammates stand up clap and sit down I think um, but that's the way it goes in playoff games that are close you want to stand and you want to be involved in the game and it's kind of hard to turn that passion off. Um, so, but yeah, the tomfoolery stuff needs to stop because it's going to affect the game. Only a couple of weeks ago, we had an assistant coach do it and it affected an out of bounds call, right? And you got a fine for $10,000. This is in that same vein. I think, um, you know, maybe they put out a statement quietly to the players that's not media related through, through the coaches and the organizations and say, if anyone touches any player in live play that is not in the game, if you're not in the game and you do that, it's going to be. The ref sees it. It's a tech, and we're going to find you, and it'll stop within within a week of of, of that being announced, right? But oh uh, yeah, I, I would say ejection and one game suspension. Oh wow, that's like Jeez. yeah, oh, it's embarrassing. No, seriously, it's it's fucking embarrassing though. Like, like, but here's the thing, and I'm trying to I try to be as fair as possible, like on, on anything that well, not everything that I say because I'm a fucking moron half the time. But like. So what happens like when there's a foul call, dead ball, the guy shoots a three and then someone blocks a three, you know, like you see that done in it. What's the difference between that and what happened last night? Because it wasn't a live play. But what I'm saying is the live play stuff I don't like, you know, guys touching people during games and stuff like that is embarrassing, especially an assistant coach, you know, stealing a ball or like 
I think you got to clean that up. Seriously, Bogues, like to me. Yeah. And I, and I just think that I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of the Ben stuff. I'm a fan of clapping, getting up and clapping. But like, you know, there's just too much. I think it started right around the time, definitely in the bubble, you know, like it just got to another level. But then you got like eight assistant coaches getting up and, you know, like you, if you ever watch that shit that goes on on a bench at an NBA game, like assistant coaches are up there coaching. There's like five coaches coaching. Then there's the, the players running around. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's Bonham and Bailey for sure. You know, it's it's a weird deal. It's a weird yeah, deal. just a, and a weird thing that happened. Like never, never been seen in NBA history. It's the first, uh, and the refs, the refs got it wrong. But you know, yeah, it just if you stop it from the start, it doesn't even get to this. But um, yeah, just a just a real weird weird one. So if people want to check that one out, I'm sure it's all over YouTube right now with a lot of people saying what the fuck. WNBA pro, um, Becky Hammond, one million per season. This has led to. Liz Cambage firing up. Um, I don't like to mention her name too much because people think we're you know almost in a relationship. But um, she fired up saying that only in the WNBA a, a, a head coach can make four times more than one of the best players in the league. Look, it goes on to this. It, it, it's it's supply and demand, in my opinion. You want to support women's sports, and, and we've been on record doing that. But let me be clear for all our listeners here: the WNBA is primarily subsidized by the NBA, right? The NBA, collective bargaining agreements and whatnot, there's money that trickles down to support the WNBA. That's arguable. Whether you agree with that or not, who knows, right? So that's first and foremost. Um, they're starting to get more sponsorships. There's some, some money coming in. But the fan support's not as great as the NBA. Um, the tickets are much cheaper. The arenas don't sell out. So that's a big portion, part of why um, players aren't paid as much. It's as simple as that. Now, people that say, that, well, there should, should be equality and it should be – you know, if Cambridge is the best player in the league and LeBron's the best player in the league, they both should earn $50 million each. It doesn't work that way. You, you're going to end up, you know, potentially bankrupting your own league if you do that, right? Um, so that's first and foremost. We want to support it, but we want to be logical with the way we're going about this. I mean, at the end of the day, we have a lot of these players that are standing up and saying, yep, you got to support the WNBA and this and that. My question is, who's going to pay the highest salaries? Um, right now, NBA players, that would be you. So if you want to give up a portion of your CBA furthermore than you already are, it finds its way to the WNBA. So give up 10% of your salary that goes to the WNBA. Then then those girls will be able to get paid more money. That would never happen, bro. Um, it's nice to to espouse, you know, those kind of sentiments around, you know, the WNBA and the, but to make sure it doesn't hurt my checkbook. We know that's never going to happen. But um yeah, for people out there, you just could, you got to be logical about it. It can, it's got to take time. Remember that when the NBA started, they they didn't have the leg up the WNBA has today. When the NBA started, they started off as a quote unquote startup back in the day. Not a lot of funding, had to grind and build to to where they where they are now. It wasn't always private jets and sold out arenas, and and they had no no you know, what the NBA is doing for the WNBA back in the day. There was no other league helping them. So I think the WNBA is far ahead from their seed starting out to where the WNBA, where the NBA was back in the day. So you got to keep that in in context and you just got to be, you know, you got to be realistic about it. I mean, the the league still is, it's it's come a long way too. I mean, it was, it was highest paid players 10 years ago were, not even getting close to six figures where they pro, you know. So 
It was like 50 or 60 grand. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. It's, it's gotten better. The standards are slowly getting better. Sure. It's still, you know, Cambridge made comment that she has to pay for her own um, upgrade to business class. Um, you know, most players fly, fly economy and commercial. And, and yeah, it's tough. But then, then you've got that as the equivalent of, you know, a lot of the guys in the G League are doing as well. So it's, it's, there's no right fix, but you cannot just fix this by we should have the same amount of money, first and foremost. Um, so there's that take, but in saying that, the, the WNBA has raised 75 million in private equity. So they're starting to get other powerful people and influential people to try and help promote the league. And uh, the funding includes investments from Nike, Condoleezza Rice, Lauren Powell, Jobs, uh, Powell Gasol, NBA and WNBA team owners and other sports and business figures. So it's obviously a pooled fund, which will help. Um, the money uh, will be going towards, from what I understand, is promotion and and, and media presence and um, quality of production, which I think is very, very important, um, ad space and all that. So that that should help. But at the end of the day, people need to go and watch the games. Um, a lot of people, there's a lot of people that fire up about, you know, equality and this and that. They're not going to the games. Go to the games and then, the you know, your product will get better. Um, and just finally, it follows a 21, 2021 season that saw major growth. Now, we, we don't have the raw numbers, so – we don't know what X and Y is, but it said um, regular season ratings were up 49% over 2020 per ESPN. Could be the COVID effect, more people at home. I'll just watch some sport, whether it's male or female, who knows, but that's it's a positive that it's gone up. The league earns about $25 million a year in media rights, a fraction of the NBA's revenue. Um, and I mean, so it is, it is growing. It's just probably not growing at the level that, people would want where you want to be like, I should be earning 50 mil like LeBron James pro. I don't know what your thoughts are around it. I think it's, you got to tread carefully with it because you don't, you know, you don't want to bankrupt yourself by saying, oh, we, we our, our athletes deserve this. Well, you're not bringing in that. And a year or two down the line, you're going to be, your plus minus is going to be horrendously, you know, in the hundreds of millions in minus. And then what? Your league is going to go under, you're going to have no league. So you got to be very, very careful with it. But um, what are your thoughts around all that? Yeah, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago uh, with the Hammond contract. I figured it would it would cost them about six hundred to a million to get her. You know, she's making she probably made like six hundred thousand a year. You know, being in front of the bench in San Antonio. So to pry her away from the NBA, she's a couple years away, three years away or so. Maybe you're trying to get an NBA head job. So you had to get her. You had to pay her. Mark Davis, who runs the football team. In Las Vegas, the Raiders, you know, he's the one who owns the, the WNBA team. So he's got probably more money than any owner in the WNBA. So, of course, he's going to try to, you know, he's trying to, he's trying to, you know, put a little more excitement in the league. And Becky Hammond, one of the best players ever, you know, that's a, that's a, a hot women's coach as far as like her career, as far as, you know, like what people think of her as a coach. She's, she's in the, you know, she's knocking on the door trying to be an NBA head coach. She's, her name's pretty hot, so it's like you got to get her for a million. I mean, that's what it takes. Now, as far as the league, look, the NBA, it's a simple formula. All basketball-related income throws in a pot, you know, ticket sales, jersey sales, all that stuff. Throwing in a pot is about $8 billion, literally. It's 50-50 split. The, 400 million, uh, the, the 4 billion is, you know, the 4, the 4 billion player share is sort of divided by, you know, 30 teams or so. In, that's sort of how they come up with their number, their salary cap. And that's how you determine mid-level exception, average player salaries, and max contracts. You know, max contracts are usually, what, 25% or so of the, uh, of the of a team salary cap. 
So that's a that's a pretty easy formula in the sense how you determine how much money your players should be getting. Now the the WNBA just doesn't have that type of backing yet. And look, David Stern when he when he built the NBA up, he spent most of his dollars on promotion, global promotion, taking videotapes to overseas in Europe and promoting the NBA when you don't you didn't have internet and all this other stuff. So they really need to continue to invest in the league. They do not deserve the money the NBA players make because it's you got to run it like a business. It's not good business to pay everybody the same, female and male, when you don't have that revenue coming in. Look, if they had the revenue coming in, by all means, they should be getting paid more. I remember the Chicago Sky um, when I was with Tim Grovers and we had that facility in Chicago. They, they came over. Um, they, they would practice at our facility all the time. The head coach is making like 80 grand, you know, like, and, and players are probably making the, the max player was making like 60 and there were players, I don't know, making like $6,000, $7,000 in the team, like on the low end. And then everything in between, look, the salary cap of each, um, WNBA team is like $1.3 million, you know, for each team. So they got to spend their money wisely. And now it's up to what? 228,000 for a max level contract. You got to go through your rookie deal. I think you can get that on year five or so. You can get that big money. Look, but it is growing. You talk about, you know, that's, that's 100, 150%, 200% increases in salary. So it is, it isn't going backwards, but I feel like in, in the world of instant gratification, it's like, I want what they're getting or he's getting or she's getting. It's like, it doesn't work that way. You got your league needs to build up and continue to go on the trajectory it's going. Some years it's gone really well. Some years it's gone backwards. Some years it hasn't. It's the same as the NBA had, the same journey they had, right? And you got to sustain those. But by the way, did you call um, Becky Hammond hot? No, no, no. Her name's hot. No, 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 no. I just love the way that you, you then, once you realize that it was kind of open-ended, you doubled down three or four times and no, no, her, her brand is hot. So, well, yeah. you know, first of all, first of all, I don't say brand, but yes. Oh, whatever. I, uh, whatever. I think that, I think that Joe Rogan conversation we had before the uh, podcast sort of, sort of fired me up a little bit as far as <laughs> making sure that I'm, I'm very careful of what I say. And stay but married. Folks, it, it ain't, yeah, no doubt. It ain't like, it ain't like this is an NBA VP. Under the same umbrella, the money's filtering the same place, and a male and a female is going for the same job. This ain't that. This is a separate entity that's trying to survive on its own that has to bring in its own money and subsidized by the NBA. But it's not the same thing. Like, and I understand, look, if I was a woman in going for a VP job in a company and I had a male and a female and, and I was going against a male and they were offering me 125 and they offered him 850. Yes, then there's an equality question that we have to figure out. Like the money should be the same, but this isn't that. It's completely different. They have to run it like a business, and they have to be profitable. They're scratching and clawing. They're on. They're trying to claw their way up, and they're getting there. They're not getting. They're not. They're probably not going to get to that level ever. But they can get to two million dollar max deals, three million dollar max deals, maybe in ten or fifteen years, maybe before that. But they gotta they gotta continue to have people interested in the league. And I think they're growing, like you said, but it's gonna take some time. And just so people are clear, the you know, female sports are being heavily pushed um by, you know, a lot of people and they should. We want young girls um 
participating in sport, I think sport provides countless examples of, of winning, of losing, of camaraderie, of having a shitty week. What do you have to do to have a good week? All that kind of stuff. And I think, you know, that's more, was more aimed at, at boys with boys sports. And now we're seeing a lot of young girls being involved in sport. And, and whether they make it a pro or not doesn't matter. It's the same as boys, right? It, it gives you great life lessons. But just so people are clear, um, at least in Australia, there's, there's a huge push now. If, you, if you're a sporting organization, um, whether it be professional, whether it be junior, whether it be a local community club, and you do not have a girls program and you want to apply for government funding, don't bother. Simple as that. That's how it became uh, in, in Australia Pro. So basically, you want to go to the government and say, hey, we want an arena redevelopment and we're a football team. First question, do you have a, a female sports program? You know, um, for those that aren't familiar and, and, and think, what do you mean? Well, that's as simple as you go to the table with politicians. That's the first question you're going to get. They're not going to touch it otherwise. They don't care who you are, what sport you are. So you have to have those programs now, um, whether you're a professional team, whether you're, you're a local community club. If you want government funding, and let's be honest, most most you know organizations and arenas and stadiums and football fields, you need some sort of government funding to survive. Um, that's the conversation you have to have. You have to have a female sports program. Um, simple as that. And and that's that's the direction that it's gone in Australia. And I'm sure in the US it, it will follow. And and it's some people will argue that's right. Some people will argue it's wrong. Um, but I think the, the the good result about it is that you'll have young girls playing sport more. Um, so I think that's a net win that should be invested into. But on the flip side, I don't think if your league's not bringing it in, you shouldn't be making as much as the other league because what's to stop you know NBL players saying I want to earn as much as the NBA players what it's it's, it's not just because I'm in a different country it's not fair like it's it's supply and demand um, it always has been and that's how businesses work but um, continue to watch that space a big contract for Becky she's going to have a nice house in uh Nice house and car. Yeah. Vegas, you get a real nice house for that salary. Um, just stay away from the tables. NBL real quick. Very close season. Um, pro, I'm sure you're not following it too closely, but credit to the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers. That's your team, Pro. They're on a bit of a roll. They got my Kings last night and what was a pretty disappointing loss uh, from from my side of things, but kudos to Tasmania. They beat Adelaide last year. They are- Dude, did you see Scott Roth fucking- I have it on my list. The game. I have it on my list for you, pro. Oh, my fault, my fault, my That's fault. That's all right, yeah. it's all right, but I'm glad you saw it. It means you're following the Jack Jumpers. I like that. Um, the Jack Jumpers maybe can send you a, a foundation year jersey or something. Um, we'll, we'll get on that, but yeah, I mean- the, that's exactly what I was going to say. The passion that Scott Roth have now, pro, he's here by himself. Family's not here with him because um, of COVID and visa issues. So I think he's had some lonely times and they've lost a couple of games early in the season. They are a foundation club, their first year in existence. So a lot of pressure with that, a lot of pressure with setting the foundations of your club right. Because if you fuck that up, pro, as, as we know <laughs> with the Bobcats and all that kind of stuff, it can be a long, long decade, right? But congratulations to them. They've had a you know they've had a hell of a start to the season. They're sitting in fifth right now. I had them as last. I thought their roster, I think, was was good uh, one through six, one through seven, and I thought there was a drop off after that if they had an injury or two. But they're battled, and yeah, what what Pro is referring to is they beat Adelaide. Scott Roth was up and down the court to the crowd, pointing to them, pointing to his chest, yelling and screaming, and it was just good to see some passion it was natural it wasn't it wasn't somewhat orchestrated or this or that it just he lived in the moment um some people would say it's too much some people would say it's disrespectful to adelaide some people would say it's fantastic but he lived in the moment and showed a human element to what it meant to him so i thought it was really really good and i'm glad you saw that bro 
Yeah, he's like a jabroni wrestler from like the 1980s. Let's like look back. Uh, fucking I am, <laughs> I am Mike Shop. I thought he was going to rip his shirt off and just start giving the finger and the arm to the crowd. It was great. No, yeah. no, no. Seriously, it's great to see passion like that. I mean, the guy, I mean, Scott Roth is a good coach. He's a good basketball guy. And I'm glad that, like, you know, I'm glad they made the hire that they did. And, you know, it's got to be tough without your family that there and all that. And, you know, hey, look, it's great to see. It's, it's great to see coaches with that much passion and, and doing what they do. And, loving what they do so good for him good for them i don't know him i just i just know of him i met him a couple of times but that, that's great that was great to see it's cool and then yeah otherwise a crazy week in the nba very hard to pick winners week to week bro um sydney smacks perth who are one of the title favorites last weekend then loses to tasmania who are not picked to make the finals by a lot of people then tasmania beats the 36ers who were picked to be first by some and, and adelaide is struggling um then last night uh, Perth beats Southeast Melbourne. Southeast Melbourne were up by 10 or 15 at one point. Perth goes on a 24-0 run, I believe, and win by 20. I mean, it's it's very fun to watch, um, even as a someone that follows the league. If, if you were to follow the league, not as a fan of anyone, I think each game brings something different. Very hard to pick, probably very hard for betters, so I'd <laughs> probably stay away from betting on the NBL right now. But... Um, yeah, very fun to watch, but I have a few dislikes, Pro. We have uh, – you saw the the Matt Hodgson um, and, and DJ Vasiljevic uh, little scuffle. Um, I think you, we were talking about it, and for those not familiar, Matt Hodgson and DJ got into it last week, and Matt Hodgson open hand slapped DJ twice, not once, but twice, two-for-one deal, gave him a slap, and then five seconds later gave him another slap. What I dislike is he only got one game pro. Um, he got a one-game suspension. Now he got three suspended, meaning if he does anything else, he gets three automatic. But I think that was wrong. Um, I'm a fiery guy. I get an argy-bargy. I've, I've generally never swung at someone. Um, and if I did, I would take my penalty because I know you just don't want to uh, okay that. And my point was if two slaps got you one game, one slap gets you what, bro? <laughs> A half game. Yeah, you get a suspended <laughs> Exactly. So um, what's funny about this is a lot of Australian leagues have a tribunal process or, a, you know, people that adjudicate on these kind of things that they, that they, they hire that are independent of the league. So I'm not sure how I feel about this because I feel like the leagues are kind of scapegoating and saying – well, we didn't come up with the penalty. Ow. That's what I think. Yes, and it gives them a little bit of what's nothing to do with us. What's funny about this one, Pro, is the league's appealed the decision <laughs> of one game against the very body it hired to put these penalties in. And this is the second time we've seen that. For those that aren't familiar, the Basketball Australia did the same thing a couple of weeks ago with the Canberra Capitals WNBA that we spoke about, about a, a referee leaking game film. Um, so just an interesting note. I'm noticing a lot of leagues are hiring these independent quote unquote bodies, but that's just, they're just trying to, they just don't want to own it. You got to own that as your league. You got to have your, you put the messaging out and you come up with the decision. Don't put it on someone else and then say the stupidity of you appealing your own little board that you've put together. It just doesn't pass the pub test for me, pro. Another quick one, I'm not going to get too much into this, but we have a thing called Australia Day here, pro. It is um, a controversial day because- um, for a lot of Indigenous people, they you know they they see that day as you know quoted as Invasion Day, quote unquote. And I'm not going to get into the specifics of that, but it is celebrated by many. Some people don't celebrate it. Um, I'm sure you have similar days there. Thanksgiving would probably be the equivalent over in the US. Well, I'm just, uh, yeah. um, 
the NBA, NBL decided they're not going to celebrate Australia Day and that's within the league's right. Um, and like I said, I'm not debating that on this podcast. Australia Day, whether you're pro or against it, I'm not getting into that. They put out a message saying as, as, as you know, this day is, is not great for some people. We're not going to engage in it and celebrate it. The reason why I'm bringing this up, pro, because this week it is Chinese New Year and that was celebrated by the NBL. So just wanted to put that out there. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed in double standards because as we know, China pays a lot of bills, there's no doubt, but they engage in practices that are akin to slavery, pro. Um, I don't want to get too political because it's a basketball podcast, but just one for people out there. Are you putting this are you are you putting this in the useful and useless category or are you gonna put this in just in another category? No, this is just letting people know what happened. You know, and then you okay. can you can you can um, pen your own thoughts or you can sit with a friend and have a chat about it. Um, one week, Australia Day bad, next week Chinese New Year good. Simple as that. And then you can determine. I'm not telling you what to think. Just putting it out there to say that very interesting, very, very interesting, um, pro. You know, if you're going to – like my whole thing is if you're going to stand on that hill about equality and all that kind of stuff um, and and obviously that's your right, you got to be very, very careful with it because things like this occur where some would deem this as a double standard um, and that's for you to decide. A lot of Asian people in the league, Bogues, like a lot of Asian players and coaches. There's one, no? Well, there's a big name Chinese player with um, yep. Joe Chi at the, the South kid, East, right? Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. So that would be why they're celebrating it. Um, China, China pays a lot of money. But if you're going to be for, you know, what you stated a week before, uh, it's very interesting. But I'm just going to put that out there for people to use their brain and think whether that's right or wrong or whether there's a bit of hypocrisy there. But I'm, I'll leave it at that, pro. Let's get to uh, useful or useless. So the Warriors, pro, they played in the they played in the they played the smallest lineup of all time the other night versus the Spurs. Did you know that? I did not know that. It was jersey numbers. The jersey numbers were zero, 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 one, two, and three. Useful or useless, pro? Completely useless, but pretty cool to know, though. <laughs> completely uh, completely useless to me, but pretty cool. I, I thought you meant the smallest lineup like as far as like height-wise. Yeah, I was a NBA bit tricky history, with my wording on purpose, yeah. That's okay. No, 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 it's fine. I think it's useless. Yeah, it's I, useless. I it's useless. It's just yeah, a fun one. But it's one. pretty cool, though. It's a that fun one cool, to put though. in there. It's useless, but uh, the fact that, like we said, people pay attention to that shit and look up what the lowest of well, there's no lower than that zero 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 one two three. You're not you're not breaking that record. I'll, I'll go on the record and say this this record will never be beaten, pro. Never be beaten unless they introduce triple zero as a jersey number. Triple zeros, yeah, triple zeros, <laughs> no doubt. All right, the next one isn't really a stat, but I wanted to put this out there for you, pro, and get your thoughts. Anthony Edwards quote last week: "In five years, I want to be the face of the league." Have a couple of MVPs and by then have a ring. I would expect to go to the finals for sure. End quote. <laughs> useful or useless quote, pro. Yeah. Well, I've been wanting to see my my feet for the last 25 years, and that shit didn't happen either. <laughs> I'd say that's completely useless. I don't think he has a chance in five years. Does he have a chance in 10 years? Eh, maybe. But in five. I just think that, I mean, look, you know how it is. Players like to hype their own deal up and all that. There's no fucking chance that he'll win a couple of MVPs and even have a chance face of the league? right now. Face of the league? Yeah, face of the league. 
Oh man, and and yeah, the final thing, you know, if they get to the conference finals in the next five years, I'd be pretty that'd be pretty impressive. Um I mean if fifty-eight if fifty-eight players re- retire because of COVID, maybe <laughs> face of the league, but not right now, brother. He's a good player. Right He's a good player, but I think there's very com- good. There's confidence and there's delusion. This one's bordering on one you probably keep to yourself <laughs> if you think that. Yeah. Don't put it out there because this is going to come up again. In five years' time, if they haven't even gone to like a conference finals, some asshole out there, probably us, if this podcast hasn't been cancelled yet, is going to have that circle and be like, hey, Anthony, how's those, how's those multiple MVPs and face of the league going? So I thought it was an interesting one and it fits in well with you picking Minnesota. He's a fantastic player. He's very confident. Top really, 25, top 30 player, yeah, for sure. But, but I think that not. multiple MVPs is very hard to do. Going to the finals is easier said than done. Um, and being the face of the league, I'm taking the under. So sorry, Anthony Edwards. I think you're a great player. I think you're getting, you're getting better and better, but, uh, you know, you're going. MVP of the play-in tournament. MVP of the play-in tournament. Maybe, maybe. Or you got to be. The, the, he's still, they're still having a battle for who's MVP of their own team, you know, with Towns and him. That's going to. You know, that could be a Gobert-Mitchell type relationship moving forward. Who knows? Um, because we know Towns thinks he's the number one guy and Edwards thinks he's the number one guy. The franchise, I think, would probably be leaning towards Edwards at this point, but who knows? So oh, that's yeah. a battle that they're going to have. All right. The Nets are two and eight since KD's injury. They have lost seven in a row. No team in NBA history has won a championship after suffering a seven-game losing streak in the regular season, Pro. Useful or useless? Um, it's pretty useful in my opinion. You know, just a where they're going, how they're going right now. Um, you know, the history of the seven-game losing streak or more, and and teams not winning it. I could I could see that being pretty useful. Now that being said, it's the same thing as like if you're down three zero, you never win it. You know, you'll never come back. No team's ever done it, and there will be eventually teams that do that. Um, NCAA tournament one never beat a sixteen until they got beat. Um. But pretty useful. Up to this point, I think pretty useful. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's useful. Just knowing that I think this is a different circumstance just because of the injuries. But, I mean, I'm sure there's been championship teams that have had injuries that, um, you know, haven't had a seven-game losing streak. So, yeah, I think it's useful to say that they're, they're going to have to break a few records if they get there to, to win the ring. Look, I think they can be close even when, like I said, when healthy. But, yeah, I'm, not, I'm just not liking the direction they're going. So, I will say it's useful. Yeah, me too. All right. Back to fake news. Uh, fact or fake news, Bogues? After the trade, Clippers become favorites of the 22-23 NBA season. They become uh, favorites for the championship in next season. Oh, fake news. They still got a... I think three years ago, we went through this and had them as favorites, you know, or two years ago when they made all those signings. They got to prove it. They've, they've had the roster healthy in portions and it still looked clunky back when they did. Um, I've obviously added power now and a few other pieces. I think they'll be up there, but I don't have them. I'm going fake news. They need, to, they need to prove it to me for a sustained period. I don't like that Paul George off, Kawhi off this night throughout the whole season, the whole time. Um, so I'm going to have to go fake news. Yeah, I, I was I was thinking about fact on that, but just, I can't trust those guys to stay healthy. You know, I, I, hey, look, they're in a great position right now with as far as the players they got on paper, all that stuff. But they got to they gotta show something. They got to show a little, like, oomph, right? You know, 
they got to get to a conference final. They got to do something before you could probably put that on them. But I would say fake news as well. But they're they're definitely trending in the right direction. I just when guys are hurt consecutive seasons for long periods of time, I can't I, I can't get behind it. I mean, Kawhi's been hurt almost every year the last few, and I just can't get behind him being healthy as much as he's a good player. And you know, Paul George, same thing. Like as far as the injury stuff, you just don't know. Howell definitely helps him and some of the other players they got, but yeah, definitely not. I would say fake news. All right, folks. LA's always been a Laker town for good reason. Would you would you call it right now that LA is the Clippers city? Fake news never will be. I saw firsthand um when the Clippers were lob city and the Lakers sucked. It was still Lakers, it was still Lakers town, Lakers City. Like it you're not changing it. The Clippers were laughing stock for so long. I don't think that's helped the cause, but it's Laker Town. It's, it's Laker Town. It, it it always will be. It's not going to change unless they move the Clippers to, you know, I know they can sustain two teams and Clippers are doing well on, on their own two feet there, but if they want to be the number one fiddle, they got to move to San Diego or somewhere else because it's not going to happen there. But um, yeah, fake news. It's Lakers Town. Yeah. I got to go two different sort of, like if you split this question up, and as far as the logo, the organization, like the whole sort of feeling of the city, I would say, yes, uh, fake news for sure. As far as the organization, and I guess that goes into the next question that we got on the fact of fake news that I'll answer and that we'll answer next. But like as far as the organization going forward right now, I definitely think it is. I, I, I definitely think it's the Clippers city as far as how they're constructed versus how the Lakers are constructed, their front office versus their front office. Just sort of like, you know, it, it seems like they're on a straight and narrow path. Now, they haven't had success yet, but they got their ducks in a row where the Lakers seem like they do definitely do not have their ducks in a row. Age of roster, what's going on behind the scenes, you know, the stuff that we've been talking about the last few weeks and all that. So... Originally, as far as the, the, the feeling in the city, agreed. Fake news. It's still the Lakers city. But let's segue into the next question. Next 10 years, Clippers will have more finals appearances than the Lakers. Fact or fake news? Fact. Yeah, easily. Mm-hmm. They're, they're way better positioned. Um, the Lakers have gone all in to try and win now. Clippers have to an extent, but I feel like there's a balance there um, a little bit more. So I think the Clippers are much better positioned um, to be you know, at least the next – even to the short term, if we say three to five years, in the short term, they're even better positioned than the Lakers. The Lakers are in absolute win now mentality with this roster. It's just not winning. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, it's win now without the wins, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, they're just, I think the Clippers have a bit more stability within their franchise. All the shit we've spoken about, the Jerry West stuff, just petty, stupid shit. Um, it just doesn't make sense to me. And, uh, at time of recording, we are two minutes from halftime and the Knicks are railing the Lakers 64 to 45 with LeBron back in a game where the Lakers were beyond heavy favorites. 67-45 now, excuse me. They just popped the three. So they're most likely going to win that game again. Lakers down early. Maybe they make a comeback, but they're just – it would be laughable if they didn't make the, even the plane. I would, I would be pissing myself laughing because that that is inexcusable for that roster. As, as poorly constructed as it is um, meshing-wise – that is outrageous if they don't make it. But uh, 
yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, um, I definitely think the Clippers will be much better than them. So, um, fact. Yeah, me too. Fact. I, I think that they're done. I think the Lakers are done right now. Um, their roster ain't getting any better. I talked about it about a month ago where I didn't think they were going to make the top 10. Just the way they were going versus the teams they're beating versus the teams they're getting fucking, you know, the teams that are wiping them out. And they're just not good enough anymore. You know, LeBron's doing everything that he can and playing really well at times. Like, you know, like Miami Heat LeBron. And he, he still can't he still can't get him over the hump. And they they got no salary. They got no salary sort of relief. They've got the Westbrook thing. They don't have any young players that are worth anything that that could really take you up a level. They got nothing nothing they could pull out of the sky to get them going. Now you go over the Clippers. The Clippers got two you know two young all stars. Now they they got injury issues in history. I get all that. But now they they got this solid third player. They've got really good role players. They got Terrence Mann. They got a pretty good head coach. I'm not a huge Ty Lue guy, but he's a pretty good head coach. The players are really going hard for him. They're developing their young players. They got a GM that knows what he's doing. You know, they got an owner that will spend any amount of money for these guys to be successful, and they're all in. Um, maybe they'll maybe they won't make a final in ten years. Who knows? But I'll tell you what, I don't think the Lakers have any chance of making the finals in the next 10 years, just because of the fact, definitely in the next five. I mean, they're going to have to redo their whole deal. I mean, the only move they got is to trade Anthony Davis. And what are they, what are you going to get back for Anthony Davis is the question. And you still got to put it with Westbrook and you still got to make that work. I just don't, I think, I think it's going to be really hard for those guys to get back on track. And I'm not trying to be a, a you know a Lakers destroyer or anything like that. I'm just sort of speaking truth, you know, as far as the way I see it. I just don't see any avenue where these guys are going to be title contenders for a long time. And I do not think they're going to make. Now the only thing is for the top ten this year, they'll probably get in at the tenth seed. That like San Antonio, New Orleans. I just don't see those guys making a jump up to ten. My opinion. But yeah, I agree. I, I, I agree. Be, I agree with that. But yeah. I just Lakers. I mean, if they had half They're a heartbeat, but, yeah, if those teams had half a heartbeat. They would take that tenth spot. But I think the ten year things. Are, I think Clippers will be better. Will have more finals appearances total. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers are back in the mix after five or six, just because of the Lakers. Like they, they'll they'll be able to navigate something. They need to move off some contracts, which they'll do in the next three or four years. Like the Russ Westbrook. That that's a big one. I don't know what they do with that. Um, but I think. 10 years, I think six, seven, eight, they should be back in the mix because you, you, the league knows you need the Lakers to do well. They can't, they can't suck for 10 years. But yeah, to your question, when you, when you compare them to the Clippers, the Clippers will have, look, if the Clippers don't have any finals appearances in the next 10, there's no chance the Lakers do. <laughs> so put it that way. I think yeah. the Clippers will definitely have more of an opportunity. And I think they're, all I hope for the Clippers is that they get back healthy next season and they don't coast into thinking they're just going to, be carried by Paul George and and Kawhi. They learned their lesson, you know. They touched a hot stove essentially, and they're not going to do that. That next one, they're going to really put the their foot to the gas and and make sure they get to a playoff slash final series. So yeah, um, um, I really like the, the the direction of the Clippers from longevity, and we'll watch that space. Yeah, um, it'll be fun to see them go like go all out. And I'll tell you what, Golden State with their with 
the young player, you know, the young players they got on top of their their guys that are getting healthy with Kaminga and, and those guys. It'll be really interesting to see where they're at uh, as far as you know those two guys competing. Dallas is getting, making a jump. You know, it'll be interesting to see where Dallas ends up. Then you still get Memphis. Memphis yeah. Okay, see, so come up. Yeah. Yeah, Western Conference is going to be really fun in the next few years for sure. Beautiful. That wraps up episode 52 of the basketball series. We appreciate everyone's support at Rogue Bogues on all your social media platforms at Hoop Consultants if you want some tutelage from the Guru Pro and we will uh, see you all next week. Thanks, guys. See you next week.